Hey there and welcome to the podcast. I'm Greg Detmeyer. Sitting next to me is guest host Kelly Simon. Kelly, how are you doing today? Fantastic. It's great to have you back. Thank you. It's great to be back. Thank you for inviting me back. I wasn't sure if I was going to make the cut. You know, you did awesome last time. So Kelly, the last time you guest hosted, we were at KPEC Conference in Dubuque. And guess what? We're sitting here again. Same view. Yeah, it's awesome. And we have a guest with us. It's not just you and I. Thank goodness. So we have Lavana Roth here with us, and she is the founder of Ignite Your Shine. Lavana, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing fabulous. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Awesome. So Lavana, uh, we did not talk before setting up this time other than like, hey, here's when we're going to talk. But I think in the thousand people that we had at KPEC here, you and I probably have one and two for the brightest shoes in this place. I'm going to agree. There's a little competition on who has the with, brightest ones. With a bright neon green. I think I feel mine have a little more neon, yours a little more yellow. I'd agree. I'd agree. Yeah, so. Greg, let, let the shoe talk. Just leave that in my corner, okay? I, I felt <laughs> so. Before we hit record, Kelly and Lavana were like talking shoes, and Jessica Simpson's name was dropped in like <laughs> the arc of the lines of symmetry of the shoes were mentioned and it stuff. Matters. So I just felt bad. I'm like, I just have some like Nike tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a part of the conversation. Well, we can talk about your lines of symmetry on your shoes too, if you want. There's a swoosh. <laughs> See, there we go. So. I feel like Greg was feeling a little left out, which means maybe I need to continue working on the one thing that there's a million things, Lavana, during your keynote that really struck a chord with me and connected. But one of them in particular, I would love for you to share with our listening audience, which is when you really um, dove into that topic of empathy. And I thought your analogy was outstanding. Can you share that analogy of when you're maybe at a resort or sitting by a pool and you're feeling splashed and take that and pick that up and share that with our listening audience? I just thought it was such great perspective. You could hear the KPEC audience here, kind of the collective, oh, and they really got it. If you could share that. Yeah. Well, I think sometimes we forget that people have stories and that sometimes the way they handle things or they react to things, it's not the way we would react, but that's also not our backstory either. So coming with that empathy and understanding. So what we did in there was, was you know, pretending that we were all sitting around a pool and seeing the lounge chairs and it's just a beautifully amazing day and the perfect temperature and the sun and the music that we all love, maybe a few drinks of your choice, you know, water, of course. <laughs> um, but you, you, you have everything amazing. And then all of a sudden we start feeling splashing and the, well, it's pool water, but it's cold and it's kind of freezing. We don't do anything about it at first, but then it continues. And as it continues, we all open our eyes to say, hey, can you knock it off? But what we realize is the person in the pool is actually drowning. And it's that shift. That emotional shift of remembering that we don't always know where people come from, you know, and it could be a student if you're an educator, it could be a colleague of yours, it could be a parent, that parent, you know, the one that we all know, right, coming in, or it could be us at times, so keeping that perspective is critical. That whole idea of our gut reaction is to be annoyed, agitated, it's messing with our flow, if it's in the classroom, it's messing with our lesson, you know, if if it's in life as a parent you know it's messing with our to-do list and what we have to get done and the fact that we're always in a hurry and that our gut reaction sometimes is to go to that negative place and when we really open our eyes use our perspective and actually listen or notice or see 
person's drowning and how that just that snaps a cord in you and and just wakes you up and that's just i mean i have five kids so there are nights five yeah it's crazy five five i don't know like one two three four yeah. five we finally figured it's out actually one two three four five it's like how, yeah we had huh? twins at the end it's like hey you know people are like oh two for the price of one it's like uh, no two for the price of two uh you know double daycare still it's not like oh here's this extra kid i'll watch or wait till can, college my we friend. can shove these two kids in one car seat you know but um i often find myself like when my kids do something i automatically go to the negative like and I tell myself all the time, like, assume, assume their best intentions. Like, but in that moment, it's like my eight-year-old just being annoying just because she wants to annoy me as opposed to this is going on in her life and for some reason I'm not seeing that and this is a result of it. Yep. Absolutely. I think that's so important to remember that, and especially when it comes to our own children. Sometimes we can have less patience because our own kids are like, oh. You know, the same thing for them for us. But we love each other, so it's easier to sometimes tolerate that a little bit. But I, I so believe in the power of questions. Like, tell me what's going on. You know, my daughter, I remember one time, she snapped at me. And I said, whoa. I said, okay, so talk to me about this. What's going on? And then she shared with me something else, and she apologized. But she uh, she came from something else. had nothing to do with me. But I'm taking it personal. And I did the same thing in the classroom. You know, I would pull students aside and say, okay, so do I ever treat you with disrespect? No. Then why are you treating me as disrespect? And then I would find out things that I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I just wish, you know, you could get like that tap into every single one of them and know so much about them in some ways so that you could remember that in those heat of, heat, heat of moments, you know, where you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, you're annoying, okay, you're driving crazy, why do you have to interrupt? It just mm-hmm. helps a lot. And I, th- I like what you said. You kind of gave, with your daughter, like you could ask some questions where if, like you came into that and the intent was, I'm just bringing the hammer down because you were disrespectful with her. You don't really have any options there to fix the issue. It's just hammer, that's it, punishment. Where when you come at it with like, well, what else is going on here? What's the bigger picture? Now you have other options to kind of fix the problem. And I remember you reminded me that when my daughter in about fourth grade, they thought she had ADD. And so I didn't do anything about it until sixth grade. And we went to go do a 504 and I sat with the teachers and a team of other people. And they had asked me, you know, what is it that you want on the 504 for accommodations. And I said, well, there's not a whole lot, but I definitely want additional time because I understand neuroscience and you know a lot of about that's where my passion is and learning how the brain learns. And one of the teachers, before I even barely got that out of my mouth, she said, additional time? Why does your daughter get it? And I looked at her and I was like, before Mama Bear wanted to come mm-hmm. out, you know, <laughs> I had to like pull back and again, power of questions. I said, well, can you tell me why you think it's not fair? And why should, with her only? And she said, well, well, how come your daughter gets it, but others don't? Well, I don't disagree with her. You know, I'm like, no, you're right. Like, it's, it's not just my daughter. It's anyone who needs additional time. And I said, well, let me ask you this. Is, is your goal for a student to learn it in a certain amount of time or to show that they learned it? And she said, well, to show that they learned it. So, again, another example of I could have, like, come at her and said, do you want to know what's not fair? It's not fair having a daughter who struggles with the, and I could have gone that whole path. But, again, this power of questions, I thankfully I've learned this skill. It wasn't, like, you know, even that long ago that I didn't have the skill, but learning to come to the power of questions to begin to understand because I was on the same page as her. It's just sort of coming at it from two different directions. But I think, and I think what's important, too, I know Greg and Jenny have done a number of podcasts on the power of questions. We've done a number on just the whole idea of um, listening, you know, and empathy and things like that. But the question won't come 
and won't be received well if that perspective and empathy isn't behind it. And I think that's where it has to start. You know, I can read all the books and word the questions well, but it's not going to be my go-to until empathy is my go-to. It's, it has to come from that feeling place first. Otherwise, the knowledge will not be the immediate reaction that comes out of your mouth. And that's really important. And that, that's that whole idea of the mind shift and, and things that we've talked about quite a bit on the instructional coaching corner. Yeah. And I love, I mean, I guess we had a while back, Will Wise kind of framed empathy as that ability to almost sympathize with someone, but at the same time being grounded in a place where you can still have some I'm air quoting. I'm always air quoting. People can't see it. But uh, like rational thought. So I gave the example of, you know, walking in on a teacher who just found out her dad was going into surgery. And it was like an emergency surgery. It's like if I would have went all sympathy on it, I, would, I wouldn't have been able to really offer any solutions because I just would have been feeling what she was feeling where, like, I felt bad for her. But at the same time, it wasn't to the point where I couldn't say, all right, you need to go, and let me fill in for your classroom until we can find someone else to do that. Which was just like Lavana's story with, with the teacher who was struggling in the moment to realize what was best for her student, your daughter, and knowing that you had to come from a place of empathy to ask the questions to get her there. Because you could have combated it, which most of people do when they just let the wrong feeling rise to the top. Especially when emotions are involved, yeah. you know, and we think about what parents, like, we are that way. We're emotional about our child. We want what's best for them. And so we can sometimes come out a lot more strongly than we really should or intend to. Uh, but it reminded me, somebody was telling me, I have not seen it, seen this video, but Brene Brown, Dr. Brene Brown, has a video out on empathy. And they were explaining to me that basically the video shows that someone has fallen into a hole. Mm-hmm. And the whole the sympathy thing is saying, okay, you know, what can I get for you? You fell in a hole, so sorry. What can I get you? Versus empathy being when we crawl down in the hole and be with you. That's outstanding. It, it, it's awkward because it's like a giraffe and a, and it, it's, yeah, it's it's actually it's animated. Yes. Into the hole. It's like. Ah. However, Brene is um, is the voice with it, which is outstanding. And so, yes, it, it's well worth it. And it's only a couple minutes long. I would highly recommend that. Yes. And I actually, I became an independent facilitator of teaching with love and logic. And that's the first thing they teach is empathy. You come at everything with empathy and then you can work with them on, you know, finding a solution, mm-hmm. creating that comfort zone mm-hmm. and okay, what, what can you do about it? And you get them through that thinking process. But the empathy, that's exactly what it does within the brain is that you have, you know, survival mode and thinking mode is kind of how I simplify it. So when kids are heated up or a parent, anyone gets in that heatable moment, you're not in thinking mode, you are in emotional mode. And so questions or being having that empathy allows that transition to come in instead to go let's go into thinking mode first outstanding so there's another that there's another idea that you talked about during your keynote another analogy obviously i connect well with analogies and um greg you wrote it down today too when lavana was speaking do you want to have her talk a little bit about that second one the flat tire yeah yeah and i loved how you described i'm gonna let you say i'm gonna say it but like the idea of bad things are bad moments not like I had a bad day. Could you talk about that? That was that was like probably my biggest takeaway, especially when you kind of said like, dude, that was like eight hours ago, and it only lasted this long, and that's your whole day. Yes, yes. So this 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 took a while for me to figure out, but you know, I kept thinking people say bad days, and it's always bothered me when we say it's a bad day. 
Because I'm like, well, the whole day technically wasn't bad. But I give an analogy of a flat tire. You know, and let's say you were on your way to even KPAC here, and it was 8 o'clock this morning, starts at 8.30, you have a flat tire, and you're thinking, great, just great, because now I'm going to miss the beginning, I might be, I'm probably going to be late, I don't know if my friends are still on their way or not, and so you end up going to getting to the conference, but in the meantime, you're also, your brain's kind of hijacked, that's what I call it, and hijacked is when you can't think of anything else but that situation, and so you get the conference, and you're thinking, I don't know how I'm going to pay for this, let me check my checking account, and your head is still so much on that. And so if that happened at 8 o'clock in the morning, most of the time we'd pass people, and let's say it's around 1 o'clock, we'd pass them and we'd say, hey, how's your day been? It's been awful. Do you know I had a flat tire this morning? Well, what time is a flat tire? 8 o'clock. So my question began about myself particularly, and then I started noticing and thinking about other people too, is what happened to 9 o'clock and 10 and 11 and 12? And now we're at 1 o'clock, but we've written off the entire day, which means that our focus is on all of those negatives instead of all the positives, all the things that have gone right and let that be that shift and that focus. And so it really is, I view it as a moment. Everything in our life is a moment. And yes, some moments are longer than others. You know, there are some that can last even a lifetime. But what you do with that moment is what's going to matter, which is why I created the quote, moments don't define you, allow them to refine you. And when I share this, you know, I was talking with Tisha earlier, it's, it's one of the things that I have to remind myself. You know, it's so easy as a human and, a, and to break habits of when something happens, going, great, now it's great. You know what this is going to do? Just forget my whole day. Like, this has been terrible. And I have to remind myself that, no, stop. Moments don't define you. Allow them to refine you. It's only when we allow it to that it happens. My wife will say the best way to get me in a bad mood, well, there's a lot of ways. <laughs> Outside of being hungry would be to have auto problems. Like, if my car does not work, and it's just like, I, I just want to, like, beat it with a hammer. Like, just why is this not, you're supposed to turn on and stuff. And, and I fall into that trap where it's like, that was my whole day. And I think it fits, or, or springboards nicely into what you were talking about with, like, um, speed bumps, molehills, and mountains. The, the whole idea of letting, not, make, not allowing that stuff to define who you are but to like transform you or refine you into who you who you are now at this point. Like in the last few years, it's been a tough year, a tough couple of years in the Detmire house with like having twins and some other stuff going on. It was just like a tough time for our family and then like some childhood stuff. And it's just like probably within the last year, I started thinking, it's like, I don't want that stuff that happened that long ago to like be what defines me? I don't want to be that kid who like is defined by the divorce of their parents or this and that. And that quote like rings powerful because I can't eliminate that stuff for my life. And the very fact that the stuff happens, it made me into the person I am where it's like, I hold very true to like my family because I, I experienced that. And I don't want that to happen to my family. So it's like, it's one of these terrible things that you go through, but at the same time, instead of saying it negatively, it's like that also is what built this passion to lead my family well now in me as an adult. Yes, that's exactly it. Like all of that came together so that Ian Shine is exceptional because you're becoming the exceptional person that you're meant to be. And it comes from all of those moments in life. You know, so it's what you do with all of that that matters. And so I think a big piece of this is learning to reframe because we all have things that happen. 
you know so whether it is that speed bump it's that foothill it's that mountain we all are going to have stuff that happens right so when it does it's up to you and the choice that you make on how you let that drive you and it's a choice most often it's a choice but we often think it's out of our hands i'm not what do i do just forget it and my life stinks and you know we go, we go down the path of negativity and negativity unfortunately breeds negativity you know but the good news is positivity breeds positivity so we learn to reframe and say okay what can i do with this and to acknowledge that yes that happened but what i do with it matters like that i would not be the strong independent woman i am today for all the things that haven't happened in my life but it took me a long time to discover that and say you know what you wouldn't be you and think about the strength that can come from that and that's but that's a key again we can choose for it to be something where we go down the wrong path or we can make the choice of saying no i'm going to do something with this there's a lesson there's a benefit there's some kind of a takeaway and use that to help build me up even more and if we're not doing it how can we ever ask our students who are coming with these stories and yes. the whole, you know, coming back to the beginning of the podcast of not negatively reacting to maybe their outbursts or interruptions or, you know, what we might classify as non-perfect behavior. The reason is there's a story there. Mm-hmm. And we're supposed to be coming from a place of empathy, yada, yada, yada. None of that matters or it's going to be very difficult for us to do it and model it for them and to teach them the way if we haven't also dug deep into our own stories and our own mountains and figured out a way to fall up from those situations as well. Yeah, and they're watching closely. They are. And they watch how we handle it and what a great opportunity to model for them. Maybe they never had anybody who modeled positivity or mm-hmm. how to look at things differently. So we miss an opportunity, just like if we make a mistake and we try to cover up the mistake, like, oh, I meant that for that. You know, or, no, I was just making sure you guys were awake. I just missed an opportunity to model for them what it is like to be human and to make a mistake. It's that same concept, yes, absolutely. And think of the power in that story, too, like, kids sitting in the classroom or uh, someone sitting in an auditorium listening to someone speak it's it's so easy to assume person's got it all figured out they are just awesome at that where like as soon as you share the backstory it's like they were there too and they're still there there's still those struggles and modeling that for the students to see this teacher isn't up on this pedestal and just has everything figured out but they've been through some messy stuff and here's how they work through it these are life lessons that would be helpful to me yeah i think the key there is vulnerability and it's not easy and we all have to determine to what level are we willing to be vulnerable versus what are we not Uh, but i will say that once i started sharing parts of my personal story and again it's you know decision on what i share and when i share Mm -hmm. it but it's one of those that i realized that people came up and said i thought i was the only one here i didn't know that oh my goodness i thought everything was like 100% 100% put together and they never faced any issues or problems and then no we all do that's life and you know everyone will face trauma at some point unfortunately in their life mm-hmm. it may be when they're young it may be when they're older but when we go back to kids and we think about prefrontal cortex it's the last place to develop you know most of the times by the time of out of school and sometimes beyond and that's where they do that logical thinking and reasoning and that's where they do that decision making and that planning and those judgments and then they have a horrible home life or something that has happened or being bullied at school I think my teacher doesn't care about me, whatever those situations may be, but then we expect them to hold that and be able to handle that like an adult, when we as adults often don't handle things well. So again, going back to the empathy, Mm -hmm. just keeping that in mind, and where does this child come from, and how can I be a better model for them and myself at times? (laughs) So as I was listening to you, Lavana, for the first half of your presentation, I I was like, yeah, this is good stuff. And as soon as you told a little of your story, it transitioned to from 
yes, this is good, to now I believe you. And there is a stronger connection there. And I think kids are like that the same way. As soon as they see their teachers show a few blemishes, it's like, now, now I'm with you as a human, you know? Um, Levana, we have about four or five minutes left. Would you be able to power through your SHINE acronym? I love that you said power through, so that's exactly what I'm going to have to do. <laughs> five letters, four minutes, go. No. You have 42 seconds each. <laughs> I'm glad you did the math because that's not my forte. <laughs> Give me the calculator. Okay, so for SHINE, it is all about you know honoring and valuing each other and building up that confidence. So the letter S is self. And we really harness in on what the strengths, gifts, skills, and talents. And that is primarily because we're, we, we can all name our weaknesses all day long. We know our weaknesses. But when we look at long-term, especially with students, we look at long-term, they need to know their strengths. Like, what is it? Because they're most likely not going to go into something that is their weakness. And I don't mean that, like, again, roses, rainbows, and unicorns. That's not what this is about. It's, it's knowing your weaknesses and working on those weaknesses. But the majority of our weaknesses we're not going to have a career that actually is going to go down that path. So let's look at strengths and let's build up some of that confidence. And so once we do that, we have mindsets involved in there. We're looking at the whole child, we're looking at social, emotional well-being. Everything's taken under S. S is the heaviest by far. When we get to H, H is heart. And that is all about passion and purpose. And we work with adults, we work with students on, it's kind of a combination of knowing your strengths and knowing your passions that are going to help you lead the successful life that you want to lead and to be who you are. So then we get to I, and I is inspire, because we all know those days, uh, uh, remember that language is those moments, right? So those moments will come, and with those moments, what do we do with them? How do we stay inspired? But the part that I haven't shared is it's not only just about you, it's also about others. So when we talk about strengths and gifts, skills, talents, it's yourself, but it's about others. When we talk about service, it's serving others, but it's also serving you. Because we know that the edge stars out there, the educational rock stars, those edge stars that are out there, that they put everybody else first. So understand how do you stay inspired, but then you also inspire others. And then N is navigate. Because if you do nothing with everything I just described, what was the point? Right? The point is to take all of that greatness about you and do something with it. So whether it's setting goals, whether it's what is my story going to be, what do I want my journey, and yes, life, those moments are going to come. Right? Those things are not always going to go as planned, but at least you have a path and a plan of something to do with it. So like when we work with schools, that's one of the biggest things we do is look at what are, what are your goals, what do you want to accomplish. And it's okay if it changes, it totally will. You know, my daughter going into college this year, she's thinking, well, everybody knows what they want to become except me. I'm like, no, they think they do. You know, I guarantee the vast majority of them are going to change their major because most of us do. I think it's only 38% of college, college graduates actually use their degree that they got. So they're going to change. It's fine. Um, but it's, so when we get through, you know, self and we have heart and we have inspire and we get to navigate, then the result is E because E is exceptional. And that's becoming, because you're becoming the person that you were meant to be, the exceptional person you were meant to be, not anybody else. So stop trying to be everybody else and compare yourself to everybody else. Be you. That's why our shirts say, this is me, which, by the way, we had before the song in The Greatest Showman. <laughs> yeah, it's funny you mention that song. I think that's going to be like my theme song for the next it, year. It is actually for a couple of our schools. Our principals have caught up, uh, one in particular at Western Buke High School, and that's his theme song for the year, which is phenomenal. So actually, now that you say that, I think I need to pick him up a t-shirt. I, I never knew Wolverine was such a good singer. 
<laughs> and those who are X-Men fans will get that, which is like two people listening. <laughs> and myself, so I thought it was fun. I will listen to this one, Greg. <laughs> All right. Um, Kelly, any final thoughts? It's been just such an enjoyable... Any Anytime you can get... Follow Lavana on Twitter. Um some great tweets out there at Lavana Roth. Uh, also, some great retweets, which is really phenomenal in the in Twitterverse because you can then catch on to some other people with either similar thinking um, or or even just like learning about conferences or times that you could actually see uh, some of these speakers in person because that makes a real difference in in developing that connection. Well, Levon, I want to thank you for coming on. I know you're super busy here today. There's some breakout sessions and whatnot and so forth. So I'm hoping you're enjoying your time in Dubuque. Are you heading out today? I am. I am. I'm going home for 15 hours. Oh. <laughs> Literally late at midnight tonight. I'll be back out on the plane at 3 p.m. tomorrow. So you don't have the opportunity to try a, a Dubuque Paul's Tavern burger, which next time you're in town for, you'll have to. Well, that sounds amazing. <laughs> I did have a great dinner last night, so. but it was not that. But I want to thank you, Greg and Kelly, for having me on. It's, it's such a privilege to be here, and KPEC has been amazing already. So I'm very excited for the, the rest of the day. Awesome. So thank right. you. So as always, you can check out our website, iccpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. There's a little listener mail tab there. You can catch our past shows. You can find us on social media there as well, uh, Twitter and Facebook. Um, and is, if you'd be willing, uh, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever you listen. That always makes it easier for other people to find the podcast. Also, a special thanks to guest co-host, Kelly Simon, who is not interviewing for Jenny's spot, right? Maybe? Maybe. Maybe we'll leave that know. one a clip. You could comment right. on that as well. So, as we leave, ask yourself, what one thing could I do tomorrow that will make me a better version of myself? Then wake up and do it, because greatness isn't achieved by one event, but instead a series of small, intentional steps. Go be awesome.